It's all gone. We should leave before the Empire's scouts show up. You coming with us? None of this changes anything. You offered us a chance, Crosshair. This is yours. I made my decision. We want different things, Crosshair. That doesn't mean that we have to be enemies. What? Thank you for saving AZ. Consider us even. You're still their brother, Crosshair. You're my brother, too. Star Wars fans and Luke Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 282 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this week we are going back to the batch. Back to the bad batch, the good batch, the dad batch, the rad batch, not the sad batch, the happy batch. The glad batch. <laughs> the glad bags. <laughs> They stretch to hold in all your excitement and happiness. <laughs> it's hard to believe that it's been one month since the Bad Batch ended. It is, and it's hard to believe that we had a new episode of Bad Batch basically every weekend for the entirety of the summer this year. That we got 60 straight weeks of new Star Wars every Friday. I feel like we were so spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of were. Because I kept thinking, like, we were so excited with two seasons of Mandalorian, and we got, like, eight episodes each, and that felt like so much. And now going back, thinking about the season, I'm like, wait, that was only in the middle of the season? That that only happened eight episodes in, and there was all this afterwards? And I miss it so much. I miss Bad Batch Summer. If I was still in school, and if people were like, what did you do during your summer break? I'd be like, I watched a whole lot of Bad Batch Every Friday. It was beautiful. Yeah, I hung out with my new friends, Wrecker and Tech and Hunter, Echo, Omega. I'll even say Crosshair, too. 
and that goofball rampart. Why not? Who cares? Tarkin? Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say my uncle Lamasu died. It was sad. Most exciting part of my summer. It was crazy. Cad Bane showed up out of nowhere. I was like, come on in the party. It's cool. <laughs> We're having a BBQ. I'm doing some hot dogs. You want one, Cad Bane? Cad Bane, can you eat hot dogs? He can roast them with his boots. That's probably all he eats is hot dogs. He's got some really long sticks in his ship. Roasting some doggies on my on my f- boot rockets. <laughs> he like lifts his hat up a little bit with one finger. Who wants a hot dog? <laughs> he presses a button and some like ketchup and mustard squirts out of like a wrist launcher. <laughs> the right arms for uh, gadgets and, and gizmos and the left arms for condiments and drinks. I've got relish too. Cad Bane. Do you think anyone's ever made like a bounty hunter costume and their backpack is like one of those like tanks of Coca-Cola syrup and then they have another tank of like carbonated water and they just have like the Boba Fett hoses down to their wrist and it's just a soda dispenser? Please, 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 somebody smarter than us do that at Celebration 22. We will have little plastic cups. Be the the bounty hunter of refreshment and just run around and squirt soda into people's mouths and cups. I'm soda fat. Yeah, please. Please, soda fat. Be real. Yeah, okay. Okay, so Bad Batch. I think the thing, like, looking back now, that I at least look back on Bad Batch Summer thinking – is just how great that show was. I feel like when it was coming out every Friday, we were just processing it every week. Like, oh, okay. And then what's going to happen next? I don't know. Is Boba Fett going to show up? What's going on? And now it's like looking back at like the, the season as a whole, like a month out and we're getting close to visions. We're getting excited. And that silent killer book of Boba Fett is out there just hiding in a bush somewhere, right? Waiting to jump out at us and give us a heart attack. But looking back at Bad Batch season one, it's just outstanding. It really is. And it like just makes me think how much Star Wars animation is just absolutely killing it. And it like when I think about Bad Batch season one now, it doesn't even seem like animation. Like the the level of like emotional investment I had in these characters. I don't it was on par with like how I felt with like after season one of Mandalorian. And I guess I, you know, when I finally caught up to Clone Wars, I felt that same way where I was like, okay, I get it now. The show is amazing. Rebels too, like when Rebels was at its best, it was absolutely incredible. It just I yeah. Star Wars animation is where it's at. That's all I'm saying. Well, the whole thing with just yeah, Star Wars TV in general right now, like the movies are great, but like it's in it's kind of unbelievable how consistently good all the television stuff has been and that we have, you know, 16 episodes of Mandalorian. We have 16 episodes of Bad Batch. Plus we still have resistance. We had a last season of Clone Wars. There shouldn't be this much good new Star Wars stuff. Like there should be, but it's amazing that there really is. And it makes me think too, like thinking back when the Clone Wars was announced that it was going to be a weekly Star Wars TV show. Remember how strange that kind of felt to wrap our heads around? Yeah, especially because all we could imagine was droids or the Ewoks cartoon, which 
are definitely their own thing compared to the Star Wars films. <laughs> but we've said it a million times. It's like Star Wars is even in movie form, kind of like a comic book and kind of like a serial form of storytelling, which is what weekly TV shows are. So it should make sense that it should actually work out perfectly. And it, and it does. Well, and we talked about a lot too, like with the Mandalorian and with Clone Wars and Rebels is that Star Wars on TV shines with what I always call small scale Star Wars. And sometimes the, the smaller, more personal stories that the movies don't get a chance to tell because the movies are always the large scale and the fate of the galaxy, good versus evil and all this stuff. But sometimes just an episode about a clone living in a house somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes the weirder stuff, the smaller stuff, the the stuff that kind of goes out on a strange limb is the more memorable stuff because that's the kind of things that we don't get to see as often. And those feel more refreshing. And I, maybe that's why animation is clicking as much as it is right now, because it is able to go out on those limbs. And I think once we get more live action Star Wars TV, hopefully that'll continue in that direction too. But well, it is kind of the thing where, for whatever reason, people are more accepting of more outrageous stuff in animation. It's been nice to see over the years, like with Marvel movies, that they've they started out like trying to be somewhat grounded and normal for people to accept them, and now they don't care. And there's just crazy stuff in space. And the Star Wars television is kind of following that same thing, where we're just between the two seasons of Mandalorian, like the first season, kind of eased you into like okay, this is, you know, this isn't that weird. And then by season two, it's just like, it's live action animation. And the craziness from animation is bleeding over into live action. And like you said, at some point, I don't think, I mean, we might already be there where there really is no difference between the kind of stories and how they're telling live action Star Wars TV and the animated stuff. Well, I think that's, yeah, that's like I was saying, that's how I feel looking back on Bad Batch season one, that, the kind of stories they were telling, the level of investment with the characters, it doesn't matter anymore if it's animation or live action because the stories are great and the characters are way more interesting than probably we ever thought a 16-episode series on The Bad Batch would be. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's really the big thing with Bad Batch is going into it, not knowing what it was going to be like to have a new show that looked like Clone Wars, but wasn't Clone Wars. And it was going to star the crazy mutant clone squad from one little four episode story arc Clone Wars. And the fact that, yeah, they were able to turn them into from a, a killing super team squad of fighters to like a family by just bringing in Omega and turning them into a bunch of bumbling space dads and just that one ingredient kind of really gave the show some heart. No, it really did. And that's what I think set the show off. That's what gave the show 
its emotional core. That's what got us tuning in every single week. When we would get frustrated, when they would leave Omega with the pikes, that's <laughs> it's because we cared so much. We're like, how could you do that? Don't leave Omega with the pikes. The pikes are terrible. They're awesome, but they're terrible. And who would have ever guessed? that? And that's the thing. <laughs> it's like across the board, who would have ever guessed this show would exist? Who would have ever guessed that we would be as emotionally invested as we would. It's the miracle of the show. And that's why, you know, that month later, now we're still looking back on bad batch summer being like, that was the greatest summer of my life. I had so much fun. Right. It's the show with the most ridiculous over the top characters that somehow became the most emotionally endearing show. And that, yeah, they found that perfect balance of like having kids stuff to get kids excited and then stuff that, parents can relate to and get like really stressed out about them like yeah don't don't do that with omega don't leave her there it's like i don't know they're hitting everybody's buttons just right they're they're hitting buttons like darth maul's wristwatch thing they're hitting buttons like we got some empty cups and soda fat (laughs) walking up (laughs) see this is me soda fat i heard you guys are thirsty Uh, here you go See this? This is Sprite. Over here, this is Dr. Pepper. This one here, Fanta. (laughs) The film animation was a completely new division. And no one really knew what we were up to behind the main house. The one thing you need are good stories to tell. And thanks to the legacy that George left us, we have uh, many, many, many good stories that hopefully the audience will get to see. Okay, so what we're going to do here is we're going to look back on season one. We're going to talk about some of the big themes of se- of season one, how they evolved throughout the course of the show. We're going to talk about some of our favorite episodes from season one, but let's let's start with some of the themes. Gabe, for you, looking back on season one, what was one of the biggest takeaway themes of the first 16 episodes of The Bad Batch? Well, the one we kept talking about every week was just how it's kind of dealing with the balance between what other people think you should be and who you think you should be. And I think that's kind of mirrored in a article with the creators where they kind of were talking with uh, what Brad Rao and Jennifer Corbett about their thoughts that the season was all about people finding their purpose. And I think that's kind of, those two kind of go hand in hand of like, what is your purpose and what, do you want to be what do you think you're meant to do versus what does the world or society or the empire or the republic say that you're you are and what you're supposed to do which it's it's a very star wars thing you know back when we did our everything is about the end of return the jedi episode you could even say that that's a thing talked about, yeah, in in the end of Return of the Jedi. It's, it's a classic kind of Star Wars thing of everyone tells me I should be this. 
but maybe that's not exactly what I want to do. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a very George Lucas thing. Like my dad wanted me to take over <laughs> the stationery store and I don't want to do it. Finding your own path along the way. And it's cool that like, yeah, the Bad Batch didn't exactly figure that all out at the end of season one. And I like it in that article on StarWars.com was it Brad Rao says, we didn't want to have everyone's purpose locked in at the end of season one. It's something that they deal with in a big way as we move into season two. What is their purpose from all their different points of view? It's going to be a big deal, something we wanted to dig into. And I think as fans and as viewers, I think so many of us, we just want all the answers right away. Like we want to know, like, well, what's the resolution? Like, do we want them to end season one being like, and now we are the Bad Batch or something? We are no longer troopers of the Republic. But it's cool now looking back that the season ends and they they're still not really sure. They're still not really comfortable in what their purpose, what their role in the galaxy is yet. Well, and maybe that's kind of the, one of the wild things about the show is it is, again, the most outrageous characters you could have, but it's, the show is almost more of like a drama than anything. And it's like the drama of the show is just all these different characters who are at their core, the same person, because they're all clones and just how they have different outlooks on life and how they approach problems and, and solutions and things. And just, that's kind of what the show is about. So it makes sense that they wouldn't like all know what they want to be at the end of the season, because then there wouldn't be a reason for season two. Like that's the the meat of the show is how do these different people interact? And, and part of the just kind of brilliance of the show too, is that they have like the point of view of Omega, who's kind of, you know, a kid really that's has a big change that she used to only, you know, live in Camino and now she's in this huge big galaxy and figuring that out. And then you have the bad batch who are really actually younger than <laughs> the kid, but they've been out in the world and now, you know, they're not soldiers anymore and the world is changing and what are they going to do? And even though they're all the same, they're all handling it differently. And it's just, I don't know. It seems smart to make, to not resolve that because again, I, like that's the point of the show. And I feel like the end of season one left all of our characters, especially with the destruction of Camino and how things ended with Crosshair. It, yeah, it left all of them in a really interesting place in finding that purpose for whatever's going to happen in season two. And like, yeah, like you were saying, like it's all different. Like Omega's purpose isn't yeah necessarily the purpose of the clones and Crosshair's isn't the purpose of the other bad batch and you have the empire out there like gaining strength and like what does it mean to join the empire for crosshair and what about you know just the the average clone somebody like hauser what would be a character like hauser's purpose now moving into season two if especially if you think if there's a time jump from season one to season two and using the clones as this tool to talk about this whole kind of very Star Wars thing of purpose is so interesting too, because the clones are these characters who were made with a very particular certain purpose of just being soldiers. That's it. That's what they were here for. And so kind of 
yeah, like basically have this show with these outrageous clone characters, these like exaggerated A team cartoon characters to get into kind of these like heavy conversations about what is purpose in life <laughs> and choice and all these things. Uh, that's pretty great. Yeah. And in hindsight, it makes such sense to carry on the story of the clones. Cause like, even like while clone wars was on, I think because Anakin and Obi-Wan and the Jedi and everything were in it, you kind of felt like they were the main characters, but really by the end. And especially I think with season eight, like you realize that kind of, you know, the clones were, the main characters really in the Clone Wars and carrying on their story. I mean, the Jedi are gone and, and, you know, Anakin gets his own story in the, in the movies, but kind of seeing, yeah, what, what happened to these soldiers. And it's just such a clever way to continue their story and kind of show what's happening with the galaxy as we completely transition to the empire. I don't know. It's like, thinking back before the show came out of us like well just what the heck is this even going to be and we're like well i'm sure there'll be something more to it because they always figure out something and now being on the other side it was just like man yeah they know what they're doing all right out with it what's with the girl she's a defective clone like we are not exactly what do you mean the kaminoans don't create without a purpose you all have one, so what's hers? It doesn't matter. She's just a kid. Mm. Battling droids was easy compared to raising a child. <laughs> you have no idea what you're in for. Yeah, and kind of going along with the, the theme that they know what they're doing, just even the start of this season and kind of going into themes of death and and rebirth and you know the series literally starting with the clone wars logo that that burns away to the bad batch logo and the first supersized episode almost being half of a clone wars episode that some point in the middle transitions into now it's a bad batch episode and then continuing that on through the rest of the season where it looks like clone wars and it kind of sounds like clone wars but it really doesn't exactly feel like Clone Wars and it does feel like its own thing, which is kind of amazing, especially since that first episode started out feeling like a Clone Wars episode. And it's crazy thinking back yeah, on that first episode and like, oh yeah, it did start out with like the Tom Kane, like war, they're still going. And it was like the, the action with the bad batch all felt like, yeah, season eight of the Clone Wars episodes that they were in, but then it's like almost when order 66 happens <laughs> that suddenly, yeah, the, the Clone Wars end and the Clone Wars show kind of ended. And like the five, 10 minutes or whatever we got in the beginning, the whole thing just shifts. It's such a clever way to do it. Well, it is almost like the show progressively kind of got smaller before it, got big again and it was like you know the idea with even with the clone wars a little bit with the separatists and the republic with the heroes on both sides and the separatists are the bad guys but they're kind of being manipulated so are they really the bad guys and then 
after Order 66, kind of pulling that in even closer to just the individual squad with Crosshair as far as like, is there a good guy and a bad guy? Like, are these differences of opinions enough to make somebody evil and somebody good? Or is it just different points of view? You know, you don't want them to kill Kanan, so maybe Crosshair is is a bad guy, but... I don't know. And he's still their brother. He's still their family. And like, what does that mean when you can't get along with someone who's literally a copy of you? And the death and rebirth thing still, it it goes like hand in hand too. Yeah. With the purpose thing where as the show goes on and as they start to move away from who they were and trying to figure that out, working with Sid the way that they do kind of leave Crosshair just in the past. He's bad. He's with the Empire now. We're not going to talk about him anymore. I'm like, let's hope he doesn't find us. And that's the crazy thing with the show, too, is that we as the viewers felt that way as well. For all we cared about, Crosshair was like dead to us. To the point where we thought he was going to die in the final episode of season one. And the fact that when Crosshair did come out and he talks to Hunter saying, you, you guys never came back for me <laughs> and I took my chip out and you still, you didn't care about me. That hurt so bad because I think we felt the way Hunter felt. And it's almost like Crosshair was talking to us. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it was such a surprise and it was so well done. <laughs> And that, I think that really is the the thing with the show that that is so crazy to me is there's so much just weird and wacky and goofy stuff in this show that like we should be talking about almost, but we keep like it just sucks us into these deep thoughts because they're like they did such a good job of having just enough of this stuff to like it just makes you think you don't want to be thinking you're like trying to think about like. Guys with headphones on drive, driving space dump trucks. But then you start to think about like, you know, Crosser's feelings getting hurt and like, oh, that's really cold. And like, you know, and it it just, yeah, it just gets you. And it's it's just amazing that the show about the mutants is the one that's just, we can't stop uh, sinking into deep thoughts with. But that's all, that's kind of Star Wars too. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And it is. Yeah. And it is. <laughs> But something about Bad Batch is just like taking it to the extreme in such a way that you don't realize that, you know, it's got it's got you under its spell until it's too late. And you're just like you're bummed out about Crosshair trying to eat eat your breakfast afterwards. My coffee's getting cold. I haven't even drank it because I'm just sitting here feeling bad about <laughs> the way I thought about Crosshair. I'm, I'm not even going to eat my coffee up today. I just need to drink it cold. <laughs> it's all I deserve. Well, I think by the end of season one, I think who the Bad Batch used to be, that way of being is dead. I think there will be like a kind of rebirth of characters for all of them. And it, it makes me think of, you know, the end of the final episode of Clone Wars, which, you know, you think of like Ahsoka looking out over that field of clone helmets in a literal graveyard of clones and then that kind of transitioning into that that ending with vader 
finding the lightsaber and all of that. And, I, and Bad Batch was still kind of riffing on that same kind of thing of that cycle of one thing ends and another thing begins. The Clone Wars end and the Galactic Civil War is beginning. And then even moving into the Mystery Mountain. <laughs> the weird little thing at the end with the, the Dr. Pershing person with the, the extreme bangs coming out. And the Clone Wars are over, but now we're entering, entering this new weird phase of who knows what. Yeah, and they weren't subtle with the visuals to go along with that. With, you know, starting on Kamino, giving us the most Kaminoan action we've ever gotten and ending the season with Camino literally being blasted by star destroyers and sinking into the ocean just to rub it in that the clone wars era and the war are over and everything is different now mistress nala say welcome we are all admirers of your scientific talents the empire has big things planned for you well, another big theme of Bad Batch Season 1, and this is kind of an obvious one, but family. It's a very Star Wars theme. The power of family. And the cool thing with Bad Batch, same kind of thing that Rebels was riffing on, is this kind of found family. But what separates it from Rebels is they weren't related. Where in Bad Batch, there is like this weird, they're all brothers. They're all copies of each other kind of thing. And I think, yeah, in the final episode, it was really brought home with that amazing conversation scene with Crosshair. Not a lot of dialogue in there, but there's still that's my my favorite things in the final episode of season one of Bad Batch is the moments when characters aren't talking. And it's just the expressions on their faces. When Omega turns to go and get back on the ship and leave with the Bad Batch, and she says, you're their brother to Crosshair. You're my brother, too. And for that brief moment, you can see it hurting Crosshair. <laughs> I love that. And I guess that's the thing, too, that it's what Bad Batch is kind of exploring is the idea that sometimes you don't get along with all of your family members, or sometimes there's disagreements with family members, and the fact that you still love them no matter what, <laughs> even if they join the Empire and maybe try to kill you. <laughs> They're still family. But kind of what that means to still have feelings for them, even if you don't agree with anything they <laughs> stand for. I think the other thing with this, which is kind of related to the family, is... And I think it's more interesting and meaningful now with the return of Tamora Morrison as old man Boba Fett that all these kind of different points of view and kind of interpretations of the world are really all ultimately facets of Django Fett. And just the idea of you're kind of almost seeing like, you know, Django Fett really wanted to be a dad. So it makes sense that the Bad Batch kind of are getting into this being a dad thing and, and enjoying having a kid. But he was also like a stone cold killer bounty hunter. So it kind of makes sense, you know, where Crosshair's coming from. Like it's all these like pieces of the Django Fett personality coming out in all these different characters. And now 
you know, is that kind of giving us a deeper look into who old man Boba Fett is seeing kind of all these facets of what's ultimately, you know, his personality and copies of him. And these, you know, the Bad Batch especially are maybe exaggerating certain traits of him, right? You know, the Crosshair's a really good shot and Wrecker's really good at fighting and, you know, one's really good at strategy. Like, it's all kind of like Boba Fett's, you know? And I don't think I really would have thought of that in the past, even though that kind of was all there with the clones, but now, you know, with the return of Boba Fett, it kind of puts it in a different perspective. Well, and that's a really good point. And that's something you hear people still talking about, like, well, what's going to be something in the bad batch is going to relate to something we're going to see in the book of Boba Fett. And people are like, well, is Cad Bane going to show up and is Cad Bane going to know Fennec and all this stuff? Yeah, maybe, but, I think that is a much more interesting and much more Star Wars way to have the two shows connect. Where could it be Boba Fett learning more about what it means to be Boba Fett? Who is Boba Fett now without being the bounty hunter, the legendary bounty hunter he used to be? And what is the legacy of his father that essentially is also him? (laughs) And... All the other clones in the galaxy who fought in this war. Right. And what does that mean? And that's really interesting. And getting the context of the Bad Batch, at least just season one so far, and what we've seen of them asking that same question, like, what does this mean for us to be the, the last clone standing, almost? Who are we without, you know, not not being bounty hunters, but who are we without the Clone Wars? And that's, again, going back to the idea of purpose. Yeah, and then, well, it also kind of gets into the, you know, the, the ideas of the nature versus nurture kind of thing, too, where, you know, at their core, all of these characters are the same person. I mean, the Bad Batch are a little different because they've kind of been pushed to exaggerate certain traits, but it is like, you know, what makes Omega different than Boba when essentially other than gender, they're the same person. And, you know, is, could Omega become this killing machine? She could, we've kind of seeing it happening slowly in the show of her learning how to fight and, and be with her brothers. But, you know, would she become Boba Fett when they had different, life experiences, but they kind of are starting from the same place. I further analyzed Omega's genetic profile and discovered she has pure first-generation DNA. Whoa. Why? What does that mean? All clones were created from a host named Django Fett. While our genetic structure was modified for growth, acceleration, and obedience, Omega is a pure genetic replication. How many clones like that exist? To my knowledge, there's only one other. A male clone, codenamed Alpha later referred to as Boba. Since he disappeared at the start of the war, that makes Omega the sole living source of Fett's raw genetic material. If she's vital to the Kaminoans' cloning operation, they must have put the bounty on her. So how do we find this bounty hunter? Tech check with Sid. See if her contacts know anything. And that brings us to our next topic, the the star of the actual show. The show's called The Bad Batch, and the the newest member of The Bad Batch, Omega. Wonderful. <laughs> it's just, her story 
throughout season one was, yeah, looking back, yeah, wonderful. Like you said, I loved all the people constantly every week saying nothing can happen to Omega. <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will personally drive to San Francisco and start knocking on doors if anything ever happens to Omega because everyone just fell in love with her instantly. And like the Bad Batch 2, her story is so far from being done. Like, literally, her story has just begun. And she's still so mysterious, still so interesting. We spent so many hours trying to figure out the secrets of Omega. Does she have the Force? Does she have this? Does she have that? And we don't really know. I don't know if I'm as concerned anymore because I'm kind of just happy with her being who she is and and seeing where things go. But yeah, there was a lot of time spent thinking about Omega this, this summer. Well, and the cool thing kind of is, is that whatever quote answers were about why Omega was created, how she was created, what her purpose was possibly fell into the ocean on Camino. Now that Camino's gone, we may never know. Well, Nalase knows, and she's still a big part of the story, so there'll be more details into into the history of Omega, probably. But and, and I think that was a big welcome surprise at the end of the season was that Alice is still here, and we're realizing that she is a main character of the Bad Batch and wasn't just kind of along for the ride like Lama Sue was because he just happened to be on Camino. And that there is a relationship between her and Omega that in a lot of ways is more important and maybe more special than her relationship with the Bad Batch. Because she did spend her entire life up until this show started with Nalase. So there is kind of a family relationship with her as well. We haven't started thinking about season two yet, but probably something we'll get to maybe in season two is more into what their relationship actually is. Cause I keep thinking back to, I want to say it was the second or third episode when Omega kind of decides to take off her headband, which is, was her matching Nalase headband and just kind of what was going through her head there. Like, you know, she was kind of going off on her own, but at the same time, you know, I don't think she threw that headband away. It makes me think of, too, we wondered, will the point come where the Bad Batch takes off their armor when they don't identify themselves as soldiers of the Republic anymore? You think of Rex, Wolf, and Gregor in Rebels, and they're just wearing, like, little bits and pieces of their armor. You know, they're not still fully decked out. But they were living in ATTE, so they didn't totally let it go. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Well, one thing that I hope progresses with Omega as we move into season two, whatever whatever that means with the character. But aside from that, I hope there's at least a little bit more Omega stuff because <laughs> it's kind of crazy that there's not like aside from like a Funko Pop, there's not one like Omega figure or anything out there. And she kind of is the star of the show. She is the star of the show. No, that is a little crazy because I I've been getting uh, into the what the mission fleet little tiny figures and there's a full set of the bad batch of those, but no Omega. There's no Omega. I don't think in the Lego set. There's so much 
Baby Yoda stuff that's come out, and they even got it out like super quickly, you know, after the first season. So yeah, I hope we get some Omega stuff because every I don't know anyone that doesn't like Omega. I know Hasbro has said that like an Omega Black series is in the pipeline, but <sighs> best not to dwell on that. <laughs> Hello. What's that? Adolescent human female. Origins, uncertain. My name's Omega. I was wondering when you guys would come back. You know who we are? Hunter, Echo, Tech, Wrecker, and Crosshair. You're Climb Force 99. What are you doing on Camino, kid? Her job, of course. She is my medical assistant. One with a curious mind that causes her to wander. Come, Omega. There is work to do. Well, and with that, before we just get angry about no Omega toys, maybe it's a good time to talk about some of our favorite episodes and maybe favorite moments throughout season one. That sounds good. Gabe, what, what's some of yours? What's some of your favorite moments, favorite episodes from season one of The Bad Batch? So the fun thing with this is I just kind of like made a list of like episodes I really liked. And then when I was done, I realized that I had eight episodes on the list and that was half the season. So maybe I wasn't doing a very good job. But before I think I pick some episodes, I think one thing I want to say just over the season, the the few times we got scenes with Omega and Crosshair are probably some of my favorite bits in the season as much as I tend to like the crazy parts and weird aliens and, and explosions, just seeing those two together, it was just always really interesting. And there seems to be like almost the most special relationship between those two, because they're kind of the most polar opposite of the bad batch, but early on seeing them together and her kind of telling Crosshair, it's not his fault because of the chip. And then later on in the end of the season, her learning that, chip's not there and he's still being mean and then like you said about the just very last scene with them talking about how that they're all really they're all still her brother and and he's still their brother and i don't know it's just anytime those two are together whatever episode it was those are those are high points for me yeah i agree and i hope that continues into season two but as far as actual episodes like i said there's so many (laughs) But if I had to pick one that was my favorite, I don't know if I can. I don't. Let me. What are your some of yours? (laughs) And I'll see if I can whittle down my list of eight to something reasonable. I have three favorites, but they almost kind of work as one giant episode. And it's the last three. It's War Mantle, Return to Camino, and Camino Lost. To me, like that trilogy of episodes almost was just the show just at its absolute best. We'd follow these characters all the way through. We've been through Roland. We've been through Monocle Man. (laughs) We hung out with Harrison Dula for a couple weeks. And by the time we got to the end of the season we were so invested like i was saying we cared so deeply about what was happening and i don't know when i look back on season one like that was the point where 
the alarm on my phone would go off at like 5.30 and I'd be like, I gotta get up. I gotta go watch my stories. I gotta know what happens. And going down and watching Bad Batch in the dark and being like, that was amazing. So yeah, I would say those three episodes, just because the level of emotional investment we had, and they're just amazing episodes. They look amazing. They sound amazing. The action is incredible. I think of before Camino was completely destroyed and this, those still shots of like the empty birthing tubes and the empty lunchroom and how much that broke our hearts. Cause you knew it was going to, what was about to happen. Well, yeah. And that's maybe why it's hard to pick episodes too, is this season was so much like one long episode in a lot of ways. I mean, there was a few breather ones that kind of broke with the main big story, but it is almost hard to it's like picking favorite moments more so than picking favorite episodes because it is kind of all one big thing but i think i do want to say i really appreciated all the attack of the clones love and there were a few episodes with a lot of that i want to say cornered early in the season where it was you know we were excited to see animated fennec shan but then all of a sudden we got attack of the clones music and car chases uh floating car chases and then kind of going into decommissioned with the scrap heap full of battle droids that get brought back to life to help the Bad Batch fight uh, the security guards. And then throwing the Martez sisters in there just as the cameo you never expected in Bad Batch. What a surprise. What a pleasant <laughs> surprise. And I think it's worth bringing up Bounty Lost, which kind of felt like the least bad batch episode and the most like i was watching clone wars again because it was just cad bane and fennec shand fighting over little omega trying to escape um, and just the setup of that one with the end of reunion where reunion had a lot of heavy duty stuff going on with crosshair being back and then ending with cad bane shooting hunter was a pretty uh, intense moment so, I don't know, so much. Yeah, Hera being back, I I still, maybe if I had to pick one, that maybe it's not, I don't know if I'd say it was the best episode or my favorite, but maybe the most memorable one to me is just the first one with Hera that starts out and you're literally just waiting for the Bad Batch to show up and they they really never do other than their little cameo in the middle. Like, that was just, I still remember that morning of being like, man, they did not. They are not messing around with this show. And I think that episode has me the most excited for season two, kind of seeing them not afraid to just do something crazy like that. And thinking about Mandalorian season one to season two, how they kind of just got comfortable with what they were doing and, and became a little more bold with what they're attempting. So I can't even imagine how, how crazy season two is going to get. What type of ship is this? A modified Omicron-class attack shuttle. Can I have a look inside? Hunter, can she come aboard? Okay, you can come up, but no funny business. Funny business? Uh-huh, I'll be watching you. Uh, <laughs> okay then, show me around. This is the sensor array, and that's the deflector shield over there's the nav reader, and this is the hyperdrive. Well, and that leads us into, yeah, our final thing. Total blue sky, anything could happen. They call you, Gabe, 
we want you to write The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 1. What's your pitch? I think if it was up to me, it would start with another supersized episode. And I would like to see a little bit of a time jump and kind of seeing Omega and the crew kind of in the middle of a mission. And you can kind of see that this isn't the same Bad Batch from season one, that they're kind of like they got their groove going and they're they're on a mission and they're and they're getting stuff done. But I don't know what I would want them to do. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know. What would you have them do? I, I'm with you too. A supersized episode to begin with is always good. A time jump w- is always great, and it's very Star Wars. The only thing I can think of is I recently rewatched Rogue One, and I was really th- thinking about the part in the beginning with Mon Mothma talking about how they used to work with Saw Gerrera, but some of his tactics and some of the way he did things didn't didn't line up with the way the Rebel Alliance was moving forward. And it made me think about the the Bad Batch and the future of the Bad Batch, where the Alliance will continue to grow, and like the 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 small pockets of rebellion, the cells will continue to grow, and Saw is part of that. And how will the Bad Batch be in that mix? And what will they exactly think of that of those of these little pockets of rebellion? And I think them starting to dabble in that is something that could be really interesting. I think seeing Ahsoka Tano in the show is a given eventually because I think she's going to be around and part of that. And seeing Saw again, I think, could probably happen because he's part of that. But how the Bad Batch fit into all of that or could fit into all that and how some super experienced mutant clones could fit into all that is something that would be interesting, but I don't see them being like, yeah, let's go. Let's fight another war because do they want to fight another war? Well, it seemed like they don't want to, but that they know that they should because they know they can help. And maybe that's part of the, the purpose for season two is kind of, is it selfish of them not to use their skills to help people? just because they're tired of fighting. And is that even doing the right thing? But they're the dad batch too. And they do have, they have Omega. Right. But is, you know, is just protecting Omega when the rest of the galaxy is in such bad shape? Like, is that the noble thing to do? Is that enough? Or are they being selfish and just worrying about, you know, is it okay to be selfish or, or is it not? And do they have to help? everybody and i think you bringing up saw is a really good idea i totally forgot about saw being in the beginning of the of the season and it and that would make a lot of sense almost the idea of them deciding to help and starting to work with the early rebel alliance and maybe then you know the conflict then becomes are they willing to go to the extremes that saw guerrera is willing to go to and is that's another you know choice for them like how far do they want to go to help people and is what saw ultimately does too much for them versus what mon mothma and her group is doing i don't know because we kind of we've heard about the things that saw Guerrero does but we haven't really seen them and 
maybe, yeah, Bad Batch is the right place to kind of get into some of that. And then the flip side is to get to see some of uh, Saw's buddies and, and see the two tubes, Eggmates and Moroff and all, all of the uh, partisans, his whole group, finally get to see the cool X-Wings with the stripes on them or something. Well, and just like what happened in Bad Batch season one could thematically lead into what we're seeing in Book of Boba, could what happens in Bad Batch season two thematically lead into what we're going to see in Andor? Kind of would make sense. And especially since I would assume Andor is kind of about those gray areas because that was, I mean, that's Cassie and Andor, right? He's a, he's the rebel that does the bad stuff for the greater good and yeah, that would fit right in there with the Bad Batch kind of finding their purpose. And they used to be killers and now they're dads. And where's the sweet spot in the middle between that that makes them feel comfortable? Well, whatever happens, I can't wait. Season two, whenever you are, wherever you are, can't wait. Is our future now bad batch summer every year and if it is i think that's great how do you make summer better you have bad batch every friday i know how you make summer better soda fat if you watch bad batch and you knock on the window three times soda fat will fly to your house and spray refreshment if you ask him nicely, he'll even mix flavors, put a little orange Fanta and some Dr. Pepper and Sprite all together. Soda Fat, can you please make me a lemon Coke? Jedi Starfighter blasts from flight to fight mode and fires, but Django escapes. As Obi-Wan Kenobi uses force-flipping action to leap into battle, but Darth Tyrannus is no pushover. Django Fett takes out Mace Windu. You can use the force to summon a lightsaber into Obi-Wan's hand. Missile deflected. When the massive Reek charges in with its stomping attack, Anakin strikes back with dual lightsabers. With Star Wars Episode II action figures, the Force is in your hands. A galaxy of beasts, vehicles, and action figures, each sold separately. This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know the deal. Apple Podcast Reviews. When you are done listening to this, go over there, write a little something nice about the show, and it helps the show in mysterious ways, and it brings warm feelings to our hearts. 
and check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And make sure you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, sign up for our Super Chill group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where not only over the weekend did we have an episode all about our freakout for the trailer for The Matrix Resurrections, we've got episodes for... 13 reviews of Bad Batch Season 1. Every single episode is talked about over on the Patreon. Yeah, if you can't get enough of us getting philosophical about Bad Batch, then uh, you might be sick of it by the time you get through all of those. But they're there if you want them. Good good 13 hours of your life. (laughs) We just couldn't stop talking about Bad Batch, as you can probably tell. But that about wraps up number 282. We're not done with Bad Batch, though. We got more Bad Batch coming. And next week is the triumphant return of Indie Year. Got to get Indie Year out of the way before Visions comes and knocks us all out. Stone Cold slaps us in the face and makes us fall over backwards. So we might not even remember what Indiana Jones is. We might just get into anime. <laughs> totally. Just a whole new thing. Yeah. Why not? So something to look forward to. But yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. even know what we were talking about. <laughs> May the force be with all of you.